every Arizona homeowner's best friend for 30 years. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the House. Well, I'm riding along, singing the same old cowboy song. And good morning and welcome to Rosie on the House, every Arizona homeowner's happy place where we take the first four hours of your Saturday and melt away your fears or anxieties about homeownership, maintenance, or remodeling. But as you know, in the 7 o'clock hour, we get to talk about anything I want to talk about, and it very seldom has anything to do with home improvement. And we're going to cover a big topic this hour with a repeat guest that we always get a tremendous amount of positive feedback on, Dr. Sky. Good morning, Dr. Sky. Thank well, you for morning. joining us this morning. Thank you, Rosie. Good to be in the house, on the house. You betcha. You, you know, the... The uh, first couple times we had you on, uh, we covered something about your topic that we haven't covered the last couple times you've been on. And I know this is hard, folks, on Saturday morning to get your head around this. <laughs> it's hard any time of the day, yes. any day of the week, to get your head around this. Dr. Sky, how big is the sky? Well, the word is astronomical, and that's a poor choice of words on Saturday. But to have everybody continue to scratch their head this early Saturday morning, you look at the entire creation of the universe. According to cosmology, the simple answer is some 13 and a half billion years ago, there was this infinite tiny point. Like if you had a laser point and you shone it on the wall, shined it on the wall, it expanded. So so the simple answer would be this. 13 and a half billion light years out would be the end of the expansion bubble, as we call it. But then you look at the other side of the expansion bubble, so multiply that by two, so you're well into the 30 billion light year stretch as if you looked at a big beach ball, and we're in the middle. That's the known universe. Correct. 13 plus 13, 26 26 light billion billion light light years years from N to N. Right, and it's still expanding. So if I wanted... To do a little starcation. Yes. And I built a ship mm-hmm. that could travel at the speed of light. Mm-hmm. I'd be on this staycation 13 billion years just to get to one direction of the end? That's correct. Just to get to the one, let's say, one side of that ball. And, what, and what's the speed of light? We're looking at a number, and I'm going to make it the easy way first. Light travels, Rosie, in one hour. Some 670 million miles per hour, or 186,282 miles per second. That's the hard one for people to grasp, no matter even if you're in the science field. So I like to say, in one hour, if you took a laser and shine it out into space, if it could go that far, it would go 670 million miles in one hour. That's the speed of light. So if you were on that light beam, you'd go 670 million miles out. Well, that's going to be the key, not a ship. No. We got to find a way to ride the light beam. We sure do. Yeah. We sure do. That's going to be tough. It's going to be tough because even probably two, three hundred years from now, people are saying that whole idea of being able to travel at the speed of light. Einstein, in the many great calculations that he did, both special theory and general theory of relativity, he basically said this that you really can't go faster than the speed of light because what happens is you become such a massive object that, you know, without dot, dot, dot you would literally destroy the craft and it would would not be able to happen. So that's kind of like a finite. Einstein set up what we think is a finite speed limit. 
Okay. Like if we say here on our Arizona highway, 75 miles an hour yes. is the posted speed limit. Einstein basically said that particulate matter, at least in the in the physics that he was talking about, okay. cannot exceed this particular speed. But there's other arguments to that, or way down the road. If you, if you look at this whole study, if you get into the quantum mechanics, there are ways that theoretically particles could move that way. But gee, Rosie, on this beautiful Saturday morning, imagine traveling 670 million miles in one hour. That's incredible. And you don't even have to ramp up to that. No. I mean, you don't even have to go through gears. No. It's just it instantly moves. moving that fast. Faster than a Tesla car, which goes yeah. for battery power and seems to be one of the fastest off the block. Yeah. Just as regular conventional motors. So, folks, we're taking you on a 13 billion <laughs> light year tour just this morning right here at Rosie on the House with Dr. Sky. Okay, so let's bring that 13 billion light year mm -hmm. galaxy, universe, whatever you want to call it, back down to our size. And let's just scratch the little surface of what we can see with our feet on terra firma. Absolutely, Rosie. It's a privilege and honor to do this because this is the part that gets me so excited. There's originally back from the New York area. The light pollution is so overwhelming. But here in the nighttime sky in Arizona, it's kind of a uh, treasure chest. It's like a little treasure tour. You can go out there, treasure find. Here in our Arizona skies, let's just take this particular month. If you look out to the southeast just after sunset, you will see low in the sky this blazing diamond object. It's the star Sirius. It's the brightest object we know other than the sun, the brightest star. And get a look at this. It's only 8.6 light years away. So putting that whole concept of light speed. That's pretty close. It is. So it's like the light left in October of 2009. So think about what we were doing in October of 2009. And most of us don't remember. But the point is, the light from Sirius that close left then. So the light that you see now, obviously, just look at the year, 2018, minus the distance of the star. And you get when they're theoretically the light left. But I point that out, Rosie, because it's the most fascinating object in the sky. During the time of the Egyptians, they wrote, and also the Greeks, Hipparchos, one of the great astronomers, he wrote that this star we call today a beautiful blazing blue diamond was actually red. And we don't know why and what, what happened over oh. 2,600 years. There's changes. And not to do the physics and astronomy class here on your show, but I think this is important for people to know. The bluer the star, usually the younger it is. Okay. Usually the hotter it is. Redder stars tend to be less in temperature, less temperate, and they also, in many cases, are the end evolution of stars. For instance, you look just past Sirius, and you look up in Orion's belt, and the star, which has the funniest of all names, because everybody knows it, the armpit star, the big orange supergiant, is called Betelgeuse, and we know that name. Right. That star, Rosie, six or seven hundred light years away, if you were to look at it, it's in the, the death throes. It may have already exploded. But that particular star, if you took the size of a tennis ball, that would be the sun. Sirius, no, excuse me, this star Betelgeuse, and let me get my information correct here, would be the size of about a four or five story building in comparison to that wow. tennis ball. So it's amazing what you see. So our skies are so rich. The stories are so amazing. But Rosie, if everybody listening, and I'm sure there's so many that love this, and I appreciate being on your show, that just the ability to be in Arizona we're blessed, aren't we? We're oh. the most amazing place. And even though many cities, like I just found out that Fountain Hills is starting to do a big celebration in April. They're becoming a dark, dark sky, sky city. Yes, amazing. I saw that. That's as close to Phoenix as what? The bird would fly, what, 20 miles maybe? Yep, yep. So there is hope. 
for the night sky, and there are people out there that are trying to preserve our great legacy. Oh, well, we had the historian from Lowell Observatory on just a couple of weeks ago. And yes. he, was, he was just talking about how mm-hmm. Percival, you know, left his estate back east and yes. just traveled until he found this hilltop that Amazing. he thought was the perfect place to you build right. the observatory. You it, it, great story. And the interesting thing is, too, in college, the professor that I had was Clyde Tombaugh, who was the discoverer of the most controversial thing. <laughs> The planet, as I call it, but obviously the world calls it a dwarf planet, Pluto, right, right Pluto. here in our backyard. Discovered right there at Lowell. Yes, yeah. back in February of 1930. It was amazing. Mm. So that's how big the topic is. We're here mm-hmm. on planet Earth. Our microscopes that, that, that I could buy mm-hmm. uh, and put up in my backyard, how far can I see with that? You Theoretically, if let me say this. If you had a small, and I'm going to be very basic here. If you had a little three-inch refracting telescope, these are the ones that you find at most of the big, you know, mega stores, and they probably cost less than $200. You could peer out into the universe and see a galaxy in the sky. Get a load of this. You could see it in binoculars, too. And it's in our January skies, the Andromeda Galaxy, which if you were to go into the darkest of skies, the apparent diameter of this other galaxy, not the Milky Way, is larger than the diameter of the moon, the full moon. But get a load of this. It's 2.4 million light years from your eye. So you can see that in even the smallest of telescopes. Wow. I, I live in Chandler. My lights, wow. my skies are orangey, you know, with the polluted lights. But I still have some decent lights. So there, there's a lot of hope out there. So even a small telescope, Rose, you could peer out. And maybe that's not the entire story. You could probably see some other galaxies that are even 10 or 20 million light years away. Isn't that incredible? That is. That's a long time ago. Just to put your mind around the distance that that really, really is. It's just uh, literally. I mean, use the term. We use the term astronomical, of course, in other venues and things. But it's just mind-boggling. And again, Rosie, it's so wonderful because your show, the legacy that you and your family have created here, talking about all this integration here. I see that you have Sue Black on. Yeah. With the state parks, yes. wonderful. I mean, what what a beautiful place. And listening to her, you get enthused just hearing about what's going on in the parks. So, folks, as you're listening on Saturday morning, you know you've been here a long time. Rosie, you're navigating our starship here and telling people all about this good stuff. We're just blessed. So there's a lot of things you can do and see. Well, we're here with Dr. Sky, and we're talking the big, big topic of the sky and what we can see and how we can see it and what is it? I mean, this story of changing color of a star, yes. Why? that's happened? a real story. It is, and it's amazing. It leaves a lot of question marks. You bet, because the Egyptians, and, and again, we're now discovering, think about this, just recently, in this month of January 2018, we're hearing that through thermal imaging, they're looking at these great pyramids, and they're noticing that there's tombs and rooms inside the pyramids. Not only were some of the pharaoh's chairs carved out of solid meteorite, but the whole the whole story about oh. that that's another great story. Oh. How did they how did they carve out of nickel iron from space? One of one of the daggers I believe was also made out of pure meteorite. So my point is this: during that time, twenty six hundred years ago, let's say, we're looking at this most amazing technology. How did they build those? Some say they got in. You know, they were helped by other 
than earthlings. Isn't that amazing? Well, you could almost believe that if you go to Meteor Crater and look at that little piece of meteor (laughs) and figure out what kind of blade would I need (laughs) to even etch a scratch into that thing. Absolutely incredible. Man, it is. You've got some events coming up that the public are invited to that I'm going to want to get to. But we're going to need to take a little break here. We'll come back and we'll be visiting some more with Dr. Sky. All right, we're back in my house, Rosie on the house, and we're talking with special guest Dr. Sky, who's in this morning talking about what we're going to be able to see from our, with our feet firmly planted on planet Earth. And uh, you've got uh, uh, a long history of bringing people into the sky through public events. We're so proud of this, Rosie. As a corporation, Dr. Sky, Inc., tonight we're on the Dolly Steamboat, a special event. And not to be a narcissist here, but my birthday is the 30th. And two years ago, we did a special Dr. Sky birthday cruise. Usually at this time of year, people think, well, it's too cold to be on the lake. But tonight, many, many guests will experience the nighttime sky. And again, to that cruise tonight, uh, we're going to be you know, sailing at around 530. A two and a half hour cruise onto, as I like to describe it, Arizona's original Junior Grand Canyon. Folks, we've been on that ah, yes. cruise, okay? And the Dolly Steamboat is a large platformed event uh, venue, and Dr. Sky has these unbelievable laser yes. flashlights. You have to be licensed with. For- well, you don't have to be licensed, but let's put it this way: you don't want to, here, Here's the warning for everybody: you don't want to have these and fire them at aircraft because that's illegal. And you certainly don't want to shoot them in your eyes. They're very special, high power. Oh man! Putting I mean, it mildly, uh, so he stands on the boat deck. And it's a big boat. It's not, you know, lots of room for everybody. And and you, you're going to be served a dinner during this mm-hmm. entire event. Yes. And Dr. Sky gets you in positions where you can look out and watch his flashlight. And he'll point to this and say, well, this and that. And we talk about. Here's Tinkerbell. And- <laughs> <laughs> Just like we said before, wow. we talk about what you can see. And we love to do this because people are so fascinated. Literally, everyone's starving for this knowledge. So the next Dolly Steamboat Cruise, folks, if you'd like to join us, and we welcome that. And thank you, Rosie, for having your family on a few years ago. It was ago. great. It February was great. the 24th, Saturday, February 24th, we leave Dockside at 530. So the simple way to do it, go to dollysteamboat.com or call them, 480-827-9144, 480-827-9144. And just request the Dolly Steamboat Dr. Sky Cruise, February 24th, Saturday. Dockside 530. We were really fortunate on our tour. We were able to see the bighorn sheep oh, yeah. that was Amazing. watering down by the lake yes. and scuttled up the cliffside. Mm-hmm. Uh, you showed us the International Space Station that we crossed the lucky. sky that we, night. We had a passage so, of that, and yeah. we'll be calculating those. Sometimes you get to see amazing spacecraft up there. But it's really a great place, Rosie, as we were talking about the dark sky. So close to downtown Phoenix, as the bird would fly, maybe 30 miles you were 40 miles at max. You get to experience the sky, let's say, as it was back in the 1940s, oh. and maybe even earlier. And we, we that particular tour, we had invited Roselle House listeners, and we, awesome. had, we had families show up. We filled the boat. I mean, that was a great, great evening. So, folks, if y'all are looking for a great family activity, this Dolly Steamboat Cruise on Canyon Lake with Dr. Sky is one to put on your bucket list. But Thank it's you. not the only thing you do. No, we have a land, we, we call it a land tour also. We do a lot of other things. But 
The Lost Dutchman State Park, as Sue Black has been talking about all the wonderful parks and the new acquisitions and new activities, I do a special program there once a month. The next one is Saturday evening, February the 17th at 6.30. And this one is where we can bring out the larger telescopes because on the boat, it's a little impossible, if not impractical, to have the telescope as you're that moving. That would be tough. That that's would be tough. tough. <laughs> it's like trying to keep up in a treadmill and you're not winning. But that's a beautiful event as people describe it. We've been getting about 80 to 100 people joining that. And I Is make, that too big a crowd? Do, no. Does everybody still get their eye in the scope? Rosie, I make this commitment, as okay. I said off air. I stay there for as long as it takes, so every single person, as they would want to come there. We have okay. so many little children. We had Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts, you name it. People, of course, that you know had a little difficulty getting to the observing of the, through the telescope. We'll stay there. I'll be there. But the point is this. The monies that the people pay, a $7 per car admission fee, we donate all that money to the state park. Because a long time ago, as Sue Black has talked about, there was, of course, a little bit of a crisis here. She knows it better. <laughs> a lot of these parks may have been slated, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. For being uh, on the chopping block. A couple so. were shuttered. Absolutely. And then the local communities yeah, came back in and said, no, Isn't no, no, you're not closing right. the state park. We're going to get involved as a community and keep it open. So, so. We're, we're very proud to be here in Arizona to do that. And I do a lot of other events. So there's another big thing we have monthly. And I can get, people can call me or go to the website, drsky.com. I'm doing a lot up in Sedona, Sedona Rouge. There's a special resort there that we do a special evening on the third floor patio, a beautiful restaurant, a very high-end, beautiful cuisine at Red's Restaurant is served there. But it's a beautiful uh, resort and a spa called the uh, Sedona Rouge Resort, and we do that monthly and a lot of other places. We, oh. we could go on ad infinitum. And these are all... Um, it- educational and, and extremely entertaining. Right. Absolutely. It's not a sales pitch for products. Yep, nope. I mean, we yep. do that in our other venues. This is truly, if you and your family want to come out and experience something that you really don't get to do, and I like to call it, it's kind of the staycation for people, yeah. even if it's a one-night event. Oh. So, and we've got a couple events coming up. I mean, you you had the solar eclipse. I mean, you, uh, you had a little road trip for that one, that didn't you? That was amazing. Yeah. Rosie, up in the Rigby, Idaho, near Rexburg. Yeah. Uh, that was amazing. We had Michael O'Connor. We had all of our people who do the production here. We shot a nice DVD, which will be out, that we can post up on YouTube and our website soon. But no, that was an amazing event. The next one, Rosie, for us in America, the total solar eclipse, that is going to occur April the 8th of 2024. And we're making preparations to be in downtown Dallas, Texas. It's Dallas, isn't it? Right in Dealey Plaza would be a great place to watch it in that historic and Wouldn't that be historic? Amazing. sensation it'd be amazing oh man so 2024 next yes. solar eclipse next but we do tour. have another eclipse coming up here in just a couple days and that's where i'm going to want to take you, you and visit right after this we're going to take a little break it's rosie on the house with dr sky we'll be back with the next upcoming eclipse and i'm telling you this isn't something you have to wait light years for this is just in a couple <laughs> days And welcome back to my house. Rosie on the house. We're here visiting with Dr. Sky. We've covered a lot of the universe, the known universe so far in this morning's broadcast. And I was telling y'all and teasing y'all that we've got another total eclipse. You don't have to wait till, you don't have to wait light years. You don't have to wait till 2024. Right. We've got one coming up in like 72 hours, right? Just a couple days. Rosie, this Wednesday. Okay. Sky watchers with clear skies and hoping they will. Some weather reports indicate it could be a little cloudy, but don't oh, give up. Man, that'd be a be positive, right? Okay. You're looking on Wednesday morning, the 31st. Now, this is an early morning eclipse. So for the whole nation, because many people are traveling and they'll appreciate this info, East Coast and Midwest does not really get to see much of this. So for the Midwest, 
I'd say, beyond Kansas to the west and all the way to Hawaii, we here in Arizona, the partial eclipse begins at 4.48 a.m. Mark that down on your calendar. So if you're outside just a few minutes before 5 a.m. on the 31st, you will see the left edge of the moon start to go into this strange and eerie glow. Can watch with the naked eye. Say totally safe. Yep. Now this is one. Now obviously that's a very good point because so many people are thinking, "Hey, what about those lunar glasses?" Yeah. There are no such things. Okay. <laughs> Solar glasses. That's another subject for another, another time. subject. So totality begins at five fifty-one a.m. If you're a precise person, so just before six. If you're driving to work, let's say, and hopefully you have a way to get your car off the road, and maybe you with your high-end cell phone or whatever you have, you want to get some pictures of this because here's why this is amazing. This view is not when the moon is high in the sky. It's going to be silhouetted against the background, hopefully mountains, hopefully not trees and buildings. So you'll be able to see this. So the totality continues. At 6.30 a.m. is the mid-eclipse. That's the mid-part of totality. That's the best time. Now notice, the moon will be hanging low in the west. It's going to be getting very close to the horizon. And the totality ends at 7.08 a.m. So what's the totality? It's when the moon moves literally into the deep, dark shadow of the earth. So you're going to see the whole moon start with the left, start the little dent in there at 448. 5.51 a.m. is exactly when totality begins. That's the so-called max. But the middle of the totality is 6.30 in the morning. So what we're going to see, and this is unusual, we're going to be able to witness a totally eclipsed moon set behind the mountains. And if you're here in this side of the valley in the east, you'll be looking at the white tanks in that direction, and the moon will be totally eclipsed setting. What a beautiful picture that will be. Now... I'm I'm wrestling with this mm-hmm. in my head. So, okay. the size of Earth's shadow yes. is perfectly the size of the diameter of the Moon. No, it's larger than that. Because okay. remember, the Earth has a diameter seven thousand nine hundred twenty-seven miles wide. The Moon is only two thousand one hundred fifty-nine miles wide. So, in simpler terms, the shadow that's cast by the Earth, the Moon moves into that shadow about four or five Moon diameters filling up that central shadow. Okay. So the moon is actually gliding, and if you get really precise, because we have a lot of smart people listening, they will notice that this track of this eclipse is not literally through the center of the Earth's shadow. It's going to go a little bit below the center. The deepest and darkest eclipse you would ever get of the moon is if that object, the moon, sailed right through the center. Like if you had a shooting target, this is going a little bit lower, but still in the shadow. So the shadow simply, for everybody listening is much, much larger than the diameter of the moon. So okay. it stays in there for about 70 minutes. And and this is like this is like morning wake-up time. Oh, yes. Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning uh, the 31st. Get your cup of coffee and get oh, outside. Yes. And there's another thing, Rosie, that we should mention. This is called, and I had a hard time saying it, and it's, it's really tough to do it in one quick burst of words. It's known as the blue... Supermoon, blood moon eclipse. It's three moons. Three strange events happening at once. Supermoon? Supermoon is a moon that is exceptionally close to what they call the moon's perigee, meaning the time of the month that the moon is literally the closest to the Earth. This coincides with just within hours of that thing called perigee. Then a blue moon. Now here's the one that gets people in trouble like myself. Some believe, and the Farmer's Almanac came out with the original uh, description, or the definition. A blue moon through the Farmer's Almanac was the second full moon in a calendar month. Yes. Some astronomers rebutted that and said, no, it's the third full moon in a complete season. So I like to go with the old school. Oh, okay. So I'm saying it's a blue moon. Why? Okay. Because it's the second full moon of the month. We had the one in New Year's Day. Yes. 
we'll leave that to the, to the experts to decide or whatever people think. But now it's super because it's closest, and they only have two of those during 2018. This is the second closest of okay. all. And then a blood moon, which really isn't a true science term. It's just kind of cool. It's a cool media term. It's a cool media term. <laughs> but it goes into the thing of looking like it's blood red. And the reason, this is a good science thing here from Dr. Sky. Why does the moon, Dr. Sky, get totally red when it's immersed in the shadow of the Earth? If you were standing on the lunar surface, you would see around the Earth's edges, the atmospheric light is being refracted or bent around the edges so that that long wavelength is all that's visible. It filters out the blue. So the reason it gets into red is because literally, if you looked at the Earth from the moon, you would see the Earth with this annulus of glowing red around it. So that light sneaks around the other side of the Earth and hits the moon. That's amazing. Full, super, <laughs> super blue blood moon. Right. Eclipse. Total eclipse. Right. Wednesday morning at basically 7 o'clock in the morning. Basically. But here's here's what I like to tell people. Don't miss. If I mean, obviously, if you're a big fan of this, you're going to probably have an eclipse party and you'll be up all night like a lot of my friends. <laughs> but for me, for everybody else, Rosie, of course, we'll be watching it. And I think we're doing some television around the valley. So stay tuned for that. But more important than that, this is an event. We do not have another one of these for another year or so, a year, a year and a half here in Arizona. We have another total lunar eclipse that's visible on the other side of the Earth, and we'll not even see it at all as it occurs into the month of, of, let's say, July. But, Rosie, this is the big showstopper of the year. I saved this for last. This is the year of the planet Mars. Mars in July. 2018. 2018. Okay. will come closer to the Earth than it has since 2003, when it came historically closer to the Earth than the last 57,000 years. It's still a good one. So just know this. Woo. Mars, as a planet, will be the thing to look at in the sky and in the telescopes, even moderate telescopes. I can assure listeners, we get to see the polar caps. You get to see the largest volcano in the solar system, Nix Olympica, through the bigger <laughs> telescopes. You can watch dust storms coming across the Mars surface in a telescope. And there's, believe it or not, when Percival Lowell named these features on Mars, I looked very closely. They're all Greek mythology, but there is a Tempe on the surface of Mars. Isn't that interesting? A lot of people don't know that. I didn't know There's that. a region on Mars called Tempe. So if they have astronauts someday, the young children today, who up in Tempe, maybe they'll visit Tempe on Mars. But Mars comes closest in 2018. Well, and, and what is it? SpaceX that's talking about uh, oh. getting uh, equipping the, oh. the ships now? But, but they had a misfire they had, recently. They had a lot of misfires. And, and here's a quick summary. What we saw here on December 22nd, as soon as I saw that, I called KTAR because of the Dr. Sky show and said, hey, you know, it's a SpaceX rocket. It's not a UFO. And obviously anything they don't know is a UFO. <laughs> right, right. But here's what happened. They launched the first of a series of Iridium satellite, space, I mean, Iridium satellites into space. So many people here in the valley saw it. It looked like a giant jellyfish. But here's the odd thing about that. It I've, was very peculiar. I've watched so many space launches, Rosie, and a lot of people have. This one arced up high, and the strange part about it was the component, it was going horizontal. What the heck is that all about? It wasn't. Uh, that's you, weird. Are, is this a rhetorical question, or are you going to tell me? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. What, what I'm saying I is. I was hoping you could tell I me. Don't want to put, I love SpaceX, but now we go back to the l recent launch of a military spy satellite, Zuma early January. The telemetry on this, somebody said that the object is lost. That's a billion-dollar spacecraft, <laughs> and it's not the fault of SpaceX, probably. I mean, I don't want to blame anybody. SpaceX is great. 
aren't they doing amazing things? But that is a billion-dollar spacecraft that supposedly is not in orbit. We don't know. They had a very secret briefing with the government in a Senate Select Committee or some House Committee. But the big news, let's be positive, SpaceX is really so we really lost it. We might have lost it. I have to be Zuma. careful. We might have we lost, lost Zuma. Somehow Zuma's <laughs> lost. <laughs> not Zima. Remember Zima? <laughs> oh. That was a good drink. Oh. Where's that? But here, Rosie, the final one is this. Actually, nobody likes Zima. Just kidding. The big news is SpaceX is ready to launch their spa- the Falcon 9 Heavy. Well, wait, wait. Before you leave Zuma, okay. so it's a billion dollars. <laughs> is it worth it to spend a, send a little spaceship up there looking for it? I don't know. I would think. I have to be careful how I answer that. Right now, I don't know, Rosie, because I think there's a lot of angry people who are part of the government that they don't have a billion dollars spacecraft. Remember, these are satellites that are part of the National Reconnaissance Office, the NRO, the NSA. We watch them all the time. I watch Lacrosse Fives here. That's another story we can talk about off air. But you can see these spacecraft at night. I don't know where Zuma is, but the story on the Falcon Heavy. Okay. That's supposed to be launched probably. I don't know if the engine test went successful. There are 27 Merlin engines. There are three Falcon 9s basically strapped together. They're 250 feet tall. This is on the same. Sounds exciting. It's amazing. On the same (laughs) launch pad that the Apollo 11 left the Earth from. This is amazing. Think about what Elon Musk is doing. And in the test flight, he's going to put the little red Tesla Roadster as the payload, and he's going to send it out into orbit. That's a waste of a good car. (laughs) I would love to have that car. But the serious part of this is this heavy rocket is what we need to launch heavy particulates into space. 140,000 pounds of material can be launched. The object has this most incredible 5 million pounds of thrust. No rocket since the Apollo Saturn V, which had 7.5 million pounds of thrust, has been able to beat this. I wish Elon Musk great success. But you know what he said in closing? There is, and I quote, a probability that the whole rocket could explode on the launch pad. That Isn't would, that amazing? That would be a pretty big explosion. That would That's be a massive. lot of fuel. Huh? And have you ever seen a, a shuttle launch or something? No, I never have. You know, we couldn't get closer. We watched the last one in, in, at the Cape. You couldn't get, no matter if you're media or even if you tried to run down toward it, within three and a half miles. And Rosie, it was the most amazing thing. If listeners ever saw this, and many have, you saw the flash of light three and a half miles away by the old countdown clock. You know, when Walter right, Cronkite sure. would do yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now they improved that with an LED or something. They, they ruined it. But the point is, you saw the flash of light, and then immediately after the sound got to you, you heard this incredible roar. I couldn't even look at the rocket motors. They were that bright. And it went through the cloud deck faster than you can imagine. This, what Elon Musk is doing, and Jeff Bezos with his Blue Origin. I'm just saying, this is amazing stuff that's happening here. It's totally incredible. Gosh. And then, so we're sending these up and out, losing one or two, and, <laughs> and, and then we've got the asteroids coming in. Well, we have a lot of stuff What happened in. in Detroit caused an earthquake? What's that about? The, last week, we had something that happened here over Detroit. An incredible flaming object was seen by people driving in a snowstorm. Thun- Some people thought that they had heard thunder, uh, snow thunder, or thunder, or whatever they call that, during a snowstorm. No, it was this bright object. We call it in astronomy a bolide. A bolide is a fireball that explodes, but it's as bright as minus 14. The full moon is negative 12 in brilliance on a magnitude scale. So a bolide has to be 12, minus 14 and up. A super bolide has to be minus 17. But here's, here's the bottom line. Somewhere over New Haven... Michigan, north of Detroit, and also a place called Hamburg Township. I think there's a strewn field. What's that? They're saying there's debris out there. So, folks, if you've got friends in Michigan and they live near the Detroit area, 
if you see in the snow anything that has burnt crust on the rocks and is not touched by footprints, I'd pick it up. Have they discovered any of debris from the asteroid that kind of come in from Flagstaff towards Safford? They sure did. Have they found some? Yes, they have. And this is an amazing story very quickly. Apparently, they got permission, ASU, from the tribal uh, land, the, the, the tribal folks, and they actually did find. That's amazing. How do you find something like a needle in a haystack? How do you? Fantastic. Fantastic information. A visit with Dr. Sky is always a mind-blowing experience. Y'all stick with us. We're going to be back and wrap this up in just a minute. I want to talk to y'all as well uh, about something that, right? quite frankly, now may seem really, really boring. It's an Arizona staycation. <laughs> Cause you're a sky, cause you're a sky full of stars Well, where else could you be on a Saturday morning at 7 o'clock and talk about uh, steamboats on Canyon Lake, uh, bighorn sheep on the rocks above Canyon Lake, uh, the lunar eclipse that's coming up in a couple days, the uh, Zuma lost satellite, the Falcon Heavy launch that's coming up. What did you say? Seven million Seven pounds mi- of torque? Well, that was the original Saturn V, but this one, Rosie, about five million plus pounds of thrust, which is like the energy. Think about it this way. It's like having 18 747s with their engines on full power. That's the analogy that the media has been given out as the power of five and a, about five and a half million pounds of thrust. And your payload capacity of what? About 140,000 pounds to launch to space. Because well, you remember, could, that's a lot of International Space Station donuts. Oh, you bet. And that's where they're going to hopefully build the cluster that they're going to take to the, let's say, the moon, the spacecraft cluster, and then on to Mars. Because the problem is you need, in the simplest way I can explain it, you need to have the heavy materials in space. You need to get them up into orbit. And obviously, the economics, the finances of doing it with tiny little rockets would take forever. So I this guess. is a big plus. <laughs> yes, <laughs> That's a lot of power. Oh, man. All right. So the event you've got coming up, let's wrap up with Absolutely. those real quick. Because I want to I extend a personal Rosie Allnouse invitation to all the listeners. You've got to get to these events. Well, thank you, Rosie. Wrapping it up here on Saturday evening, the 17th of February. We look forward to seeing you and your family at the Long Lost Dutchman State Park. We begin at 630, weather permitting, of course. But the weather's usually good here. Then the Dolly Steamboat Cruise, February the 24th. We leave Dockside at 5.30. Make your reservations early. They close those reservations out by Thursday of the week, obviously the day or two before the cruise. 480-827-9144 or dollysteamboat.com. Get that on your family to-do bucket list. And then your monthly visit to Sedona. Right. We go up to the Sedona Rouge. What I'm going to ask people to do there, if you'd like to get in touch with our company, give us a call. We have a hotline. It's simply this, one 888 Hi, Dr. Sky, which we put on our Dr. Sky show. That number, one eight eight eight. Hi, Dr. Sky. That number, seriously, I know because what's the first thing people would say when they, you know, when the phone is answered? Hi, Dr. Sky. You bet. There you go. Got so it. We do that every month in Sedona and a lot of other things coming up, Rosie, that hopefully during the year we can announce here on the show. And I'm thankful and grateful to you and your family for the time and the opportunity. You do a great show. And wow, you've been here a long, long time talking about everything. And I'm glad and privileged and honored to be in the house, on the house. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. For for Dr. Sky to say a long, long time, 30 years ain't nothing. <laughs> it's all right. It's a long time. Congratulations. Well, again, thanks a million no, for coming and joining us. Thank you, sir. Man, I don't know what it does to your head to talk to Dr. Sky at 7 o'clock in the morning. Boy, I know what it does to my head. It really 
really stretches it just to stop to just just get someplace tonight where you can see the sky and just put your lock your fingers behind your head roll back lay down and just gaze at the wonderment of it all absolutely incredible so i wanted to talk to you all about what's coming up the rest of the show we're going to wrap up here with a little encouraging invitation to get y'all involved in our Arizona staycation. You do that at rosyonthehouse.com. You're registering this weekend for a staycation in Sedona. All right. We're putting together a spectacular package for whoever wins that. You'll, you'll see the details. You're going to be applying for a particular weekend. Make sure you have the weekend available before you apply for it. We don't want people winning it and not being able to take advantage of it because we're putting great packages together. That last staycation we put together in Flagstaff was awesome. There was a gift certificate from Babbitt's Outdoor World uh, Adventure Store. There was a family pass to Lowell Observatory. There was family pass to the state park. You know, we, we got the, a room set up at Little America. I mean, it was a fantastic package. They had a ball. So we're trying to get you to Sedona for a similar great package and a lot of fun. Get to rosyonthehouse.com and get registered for it so we can get you up there and enjoy it. And then take a look at our calendar. You know, you can still get those for free. We've got a few left. That just reach out to us with your mailing address at info at rosyonthehouse.com. And every month, it'll tell you which staycation is coming up to win. After we close the Sedona staycation, we'll actually be doing one in Sierra Vista. And boy, if you haven't been to that corner of the state, I've got a lot of little secret places I can tell you to go and hole up and enjoy there. The Arizona Staycation is brought to you by Sanderson Ford. As a winner, you'll be able to get out to Sanderson Ford and pick out the Ford vehicle of your choice that is in their demo lot they give you the car for a few days jennifer fills it up and gives you a gas card we range for your lodging and your meals and a few other fun activities to do in the area and all you got to do is register at rosyonthehouse.com coming up in the eight o'clock hour we've got greg peterson our own urban farmer and he and Romy will be talking about deciduous trees greg peterson the urban farmer always a great visit always can make anything and everything interesting about i think he has a fourth or it's even smaller than that a third acre lot that he has some 60 trees on he's created a a complete sustainable living farm on his city-sized lot. You know, it is an irrigated lot. That buys you a lot, but uh, he has it. And then in the 9 o'clock hour, it'll be open line. We'll be able to take any of the messages or any of the projects you're trying to tackle and get them done, help you, give you some tips and tricks of the trade, get those done. 10 o'clock hour, we're going to be talking about sustainability in landscaping. So that'll be a great story about preserving some of the water that we've got the uh, stewardship responsibility of monitoring.